This week on episode 484 of Priority One, we trek out Janeway's monumental day, a prodigy composer, Michelle Hurd's reference to Medea, and an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, grayish-printed ship in 3D. In Star Trek Gaming, we dive even deeper into Star Trek Online's partisans before heading on-screen to trek out far from home. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and the brand new official Star Trek Online Starship Collection at herocollector.com forward slash ST online. Save 10% with code PRIORITY10 at checkout, plus free shipping. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 484 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 30th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. So guys, Halloween's coming up. You got any plans? Uh... No. <laughs> no. None wear, at all. Wear a mask inside the house. That's, right. that's the extent of Halloween. And, and eat all the candy that I bought. Uh, you know, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll put my kids in separate rooms in the house and I'll knock on their doors and they can give me the candy. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. I wish my dog would do that, but no. <laughs> <It's>, no. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just be curled up in a ball in my existential crisis. <laughs> And if anybody is crazy enough to knock on my door, I'm going to slingshot them a candy. That's what's going to happen. I'm just going to be like, oh, okay, let's go. Boing! <laughs> I mean, I could leave candy out, but like, who would? I mean, if I was a parent, I wouldn't let my kid be touching strange candy. I know, I know. You know what, Captains? I do want to take a moment to remind you to vote. This is the last podcast before election night. So, Captains, Halloween's around the corner, and we understand that this is going to be a much different experience, especially if you have children or if you're like me, just a big kids that like to go out and have some fun. Uh, for your own safety, stay home, wear your masks indoors, and and be sure to vote. This is the last episode before the United States general election. And if you haven't already, submit your ballot or vote early. My probably stickers upstairs. I did. I it's voted probably... Friday. Uh, great. I submitted uh, the ballot. I actually went and dropped it off. So I'm now we leave it to the universe. But don't forget, vote and vote early. Captains, each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look 
look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us. Or you can email us. Reach out to us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, this is a community production. And thankfully, we are being sponsored by Eagle Moss to help support and offset the costs that are involved in producing a weekly show like ours. But if you are interested in joining the Patreon family, I encourage you to head over to patreon.com forward slash priority one. Check out all the awesome perks that we have to offer, including an entirely separate show that we call After Hours, where we dive deeper into episode reviews, the weekly headlines. It's unfiltered, unedited, pure madness. And whenever possible, there's extra perks like early releases of interviews that everyone else has to wait for. So check us out again, patreon.com forward slash priority one. And we want to give a big shout out to our newest patron, Frank. Thanks for joining us, Frank. Appreciate your contribution. But if financial support isn't in the cards, don't forget about sharing our show to all your friends. Hit that like, retweet, and or share button when you come across one of our posts. Or perhaps you'd like to join the team. That's right, Captains. As I've said before, this show is produced much like community theater. We are all passionate Trekkies that lend their talents to this production, and we're so very grateful for that. We're always looking for new volunteers to join the production and help continue to produce the quality content you've come to expect each and every week. So we're looking for audio editors. We're looking for live stream technicians. We're looking for graphic artists to help us from week to week every now and again with some marketing and promotional materials. We need video editors. So if you have a talent in multimedia or you're just eager to learn and be a part of our community, then reach out to us incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Up on top, there's a link that says join the crew and there's a form that you can fill out. Even if a position is not listed on that webpage and you think that you have something that you'd like to contribute to the show, just fill out the form, let us know how you want to contribute and I will reach out to you. Well, now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. It was a cool, cloudy Saturday morning in Bloomington, Indiana. The spectators would have huddled closer were it not for the virus, the pandemic. But they gathered nonetheless, mindfully social distancing and donning the standard facial accoutrement. What kept them warm that brisk morning wasn't coats or capes or coffee. It was hope. Though, to be fair, the coats, capes, and coffee probably did help. On Saturday, October 24th, the Janeway Bloomington Collective unveiled the reason for the gathering, the Captain Catherine Janeway Monument and Statue. We told you about the fundraiser back in January, but here's a brief recap. The Captain Janeway Bloomington Collective fundraised for a proposed Captain Janeway statue and plaque to be erected at her fictional birthplace, Bloomington, Indiana. The unveiling featured, quote, a bronze sculpture atop a limestone base, plated in steel, as well as an accompanying, as well as an accompanying educational display was designed to serve as a monument to Captain Janeway, end quote. But what would the party be without the Captain of Honor? It'd be like a nebula without coffee. So it was good that Captain Janeway herself, Kate Mulgrew, joined the unveiling via the magic of internet. She shared that she is a first-time grandmother, thanked the attendees, and then she dished a bit about what brought her to the upcoming Star Trek prodigy. Well, well frankly, the, the negotiations, negotiations took quite a long time. time. 
It was animated, as you know. I think only of in terms of live action when I think Catherine Janeway. Live action being what it is. Very rigorous. Very challenging. And often quite daunting. So when Alex Kurtzman presented me with this idea, I wasn't entirely sure. And then over the months, the conversation evolved into what we could bring to an entirely new demographic of watchers. And this being, of course, young people and their mothers, their grandmothers. There will be crowded living rooms. And I thought the idea of bringing this to young minds is just too exciting, too provocative, and too promising. So that's what sold me. You can watch the full unveiling by following the link in our show notes. You know, I like that some of these little things happen across the globe, right? I think it's just fun and it's just a moment of of like forgetting everything else that's happening and uniting in celebration for something that's not even real. But, you know, it's better than some other monuments. It'll probably attract more tourists than the giant ball of twine in the middle of Kansas. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that they're at uh, Bloomington, Indiana is getting got a better thing going here with that. I think it's nice. I mean, I'd rather see statues of fictional characters than real people that kind of suck. <laughs> right, right, right. That's exactly so. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had several sponsors, including uh, our sponsor, Eagle Moss, Hero Collector. Oh, very nice. They also contributed to it. And I'm playing a little montage of all the uh, the unveiling and setting it up. And I've got to say that the monument looks pretty good. It's not, you know, it's not like Lucille Ball, that first statue of Lucille Ball that was uh, put up in New York. It does look really nice. It, I mean, looks good. I'd go see that if I was anywhere near Bloomington, Indiana. All the good captains come from the Midwest. It's true. <laughs> Iowa, I got your Indiana. Where was where's Archer supposed to be from? Oh, mm-hmm. Rikers from Alaska. Yeah, nobody cares. It's like I, I I've known people from Alaska. Um, they're like a different breed. They're like an entirely different. Speaking of Prodigy, Star Trek's newest animated series is looking, uh, or sounding, like it's coming together. This week, another piece of the proverbial puzzle has been added. The series theme has a composer. The film music reporter announced on Tuesday, October 20th, that Israeli-Dutch composer Nami Melumad would compose for the anticipated new series Star Trek Prodigy. The 31-year-old Melumad's recent work includes composing for Seth Rogen's American Pickle, the Amazon series Absentia, and Star Trek Short Trek's Q&A, the one with Spock and number one rockin' the Pirates of Penzance. According to the article, Q&A isn't Melumad's only Star Trek association. Quote, Melumad has also recently collaborated with Michael Giancino on the score for the upcoming video game Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, which is set to be released on December 11th, 2020. End quote. Giancino, of course, is the composer of the Kelvin Timeline films and the director of the short trek F-Frame and Dot, the one with the tardigrade and a robot rocking the history of the Enterprise. This is great. I mean, you know, first of all, uh, she's a talented composer, and I am eager to hear what she does with Prodigy and that uh, that theme music. You know, theme music, especially for Star Trek, really sets up the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Star Trek Six. I left the theater, and I, I, I went home, and mom said, how was the movie? And I'm like, yeah, it was a pretty good movie. I really enjoyed it. I hated the music. Right, right, right. Uh, that, it was it was just, I did not like it. It just, that just soured. Yeah, it just soured. Or Undiscovered Country? It's grown on me since then, but it didn't, it wasn't a Star Trek theme. And I feel the same way about the Discovery theme. Really like the Lower Decks theme. Really like the Lower Decks theme. Oh, I like the Discovery theme. I, you know, of course, hate the Enterprise theme, but. Who doesn't? Well, yeah. Nobody likes that one. Thank you, Netflix, for skip intro. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> That's 
Right. Lower Decks Wrap, Discovery is airing. Prodigy has a new composer, but what about Picard? This week, Star Trek Picard star Michelle Hurd sat down with Inverse, and she shed some light on Picard's production timetable and, more importantly, on her character Rafi. In regards to when she plans on getting back on set, Hurd told Inverse's Jen Glennon, quote, I believe we're going to be back in January. That's the last thing I heard, so we're really excited about that. We just want to make sure that everybody's safe and the protocols are in place so that we can keep our captain as safe as we possibly can, end quote. Heard compared her character Rafi's journey and rejections to that of tragic Greek character Medea. Quote, when Rafi makes that call to Starfleet, the last line of her friend saying, do me a favor, lose my number. That's another door that's closed. This comes right after her son rightly tells her, you don't get to be absent from the majority of my life and jump in saying you're better, end quote. Heard went on to say, quote, the truth is that everybody's story may not be as happy as we assume. People struggle, and we should take the time to have more patience and empathy for people who are hiding their pain. I love that juxtaposition of Rafi being very blunt, clever, dramatic, and fun when the reality was it was just a facade, end quote. Heard later discussed the budding relationship of Rafi and Seven telling Inverse, quote, I'd love to see a fluidity to their relationship. It's about connection, seeing someone, hearing someone, allowing those people to affect us, and acting upon that without judgment, without labels, without stigma. I have no idea exactly exactly what will be happening in the future for Rafi and Seven, but I really have faith in the writers and their vision. I would really love to see that relationship taken to a place where that love is explored, embraced, and celebrated, end quote. Now, Elio, you had a big, several big problems with Rafi and Picard. Does this, quote, change anything for you? New dimensions? No, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to, sure, want to compare to older classical characters. Some of the best stories still live in those original plays and and scripts, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't fall upon the creators and the visionaries of the updated version to be a little more inventive with how they approach it. I don't care who you want to be. I don't care if you want to compare stuff to Medea, to Lady Macbeth. It doesn't, I don't, I really doesn't bother. I don't care. Her character in the season one of Picard was glorified for her addiction and not just glorifying the addiction, but also encourage, right? She lost that friend there, and Captain Picard collapsed. Do you want to rehash? I'm just wondering if it, like, changed your mind about anything, and it, I guess, I guess no. No, not, not really, not really. It's 2020, you know, it's 2020, and we don't, we shouldn't be glorifying these things. We should be, we should be talking about how people pull themselves out of these dark places to improve their lives and improve just their life. You know, forget relationships with everybody else, you know, whatever. Just improve their own individual lives. Okay, Voyager's cool, but have you ever seen a self-propelled micro-intrepid class ship? That's exactly what PC Gamer brought us this week, and it's just too damned cute not to share. But, but also, science. When we say tiny, we mean tiny. Ah, The 3D-printed Intrepid-class vessel measures a mere 15 micrometers. That's about 0.0006 inches for our stubborn non-metric users. Teeny tiny. But why would anybody want to 3D print such an itsy-bitsy teeny tiny starship? Well, the obvious answer, of course, is artificial micro-swimmering, which is a real scientific term that we made here at the show. From the PC Gamer article, artificial micro-swimmers are, quote, 3D-printed synthetic colloidal particles, which are solid objects suspended in liquid, and I'm not making that up, that they have no moving parts, but instead they propel themselves through liquid by way of chemical reaction, platinum that reacts with hydrogen peroxide, end quote. So, now that we know what a micro-swimmer is, 
why would we bother making them? Researcher Daniela Kraft explains that the research with these artificial microswimmers could help us better understand biological microswimmers like white blood cells, sperm, and bacteria. For a look at the microvoyager as well as a tug called Benchy, check out the link in our show notes. It's tiny, and it does it does look like the Voyager. If you go check out the article, it really does. Yeah, it, the Star Trek nerds people are inheriting the Earth. Yeah, one science lab at a time. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Definitely looked exactly like Voyager. <laughs> Panda, he says game print really out there flexing their 3D ship print skills. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the guy, they got it all wrong. The, the gamer guys want you to buy the big models. What are you doing? They're, right. they're doing it all wrong. You're shrinking them down that small. Nobody wants that. My, micro machines, right? You're right, right. Micro, micro, micro. <laughs> well, captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Captains, before we move into Star Trek gaming, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Eagle Moss, and their hero collection of official Star Trek online models. Captains, we just did an unboxing on air of the IKS Bortascu, and if there was one takeaway from everyone's reaction was how stunning in detail these models are. These models are die cast. They are, they come out of a mold. They are painted all the same, but the nuance and the detail to each section of the ship, you have negative space. You have first art collectors that are translucent. These little details that really help bring these ships to life. And this ship is maybe, you know, the the, the, the size of... It fits in the palm of my hand, so you figure about just five to six inches, just barely. But even though it's not this massive, huge model, the detail throughout this entire ship is absolutely gorgeous. And anyone, any Klingon, any warrior would be bringing honor to their house should they bring this ship home. I think that speaks to the design exclusivity that they have with Star Trek Online because weren't these taken from like the full 3D models and yep. all of the information they have available via the game and, and Eagle Moss has the exclusive right to produce these models. So you're not going to get this quality from any other manufacturer out out there because they're the ones who have the rights to it and it shows because what you were just showing on that Bortoscu is beautiful i mean i can't wait to see that ship that exclusivity uh, applies not only to the uh, unique Bortoscu but uh, we've also talked about the USS Buran which is in Star Trek Online it's we've also got Chimera which is a Star Trek Online or- origin ship that's uh, one that's exclusive to the game. That's uh, that's available, too. You can also pre-order the USS Pathfinder and the Jemadar Vanguard Carrier. Ooh. And also available right now is the Romulan Vastam-class Command Warbird. So these six unique ships that you will only find in Star Trek Online, you can also only get from Eagle Moss. Yeah, and they have the Gagarin, too, which is amazing. I love the Chimera, though. How cool is that ship? It looks awesome. And you just know it's Captain Nog. And man, yeah, it just hits your heartstrings that you'd want that ship. So, Captains, Eagle Moss is also offering an exclusive discount to Priority One listeners. You get to save 10% off of your purchase. That also includes free shipping. And these ships start at just $29.95. So, couple that with 10% off, free shipping. I mean, this is just a no-brainer. Add this to your Star Trek collection. 
collection. These ships are high-quality die-cast models that you won't find anywhere else. So again, that promo code is PRIORITY10, so the word PRIORITY and the numbers 1 and 0, to save 10% on your next purchase that also happens to have free shipping. So thank you to Eagle Moss for sponsoring our show and to Star Trek Online for working in tandem with Eagle Moss to bring these ships to life. The latest episode in the Klingon Civil War arc, Partisans picks up sometime after the disastrous Kittimer Conference. Adette Pop works her witchy ways on Ja'ula's behalf, digging up a ragtag team of scoundrels with hearts of latinum and very particular sets of skills. Hey, hey, Trucula! You son of a bitch! I mean! Together you venture deep into Jim Pop's web of conspiracies to clear your name and discover some fascinating new opportunities in pet ownership along the way. But the fight for truth justice and to remain Klingon goes disastrously well and what you break might never be restored. In terms of mission structure, Partisans is familiar and unfortunately repetitive. Ground combat is favored over space, which makes sense for character-centric stories that take place in a few locations. However, the fights in both environments get tiresome as you protect NPC X from infinite waves of enemy Y while they do plot thing Z. The bar fight on Nimbus feels even longer as it lacks a clear endpoint, and then all of a sudden, oops, all Nausicaans. Consider playing this mission in a team with AoE and control powers so you can quicker pick off the enemies that won't acknowledge your aggro. Production values are likewise familiar following the overall improvement we've seen since Victory is Life. The voice acting quality varies between decent and excellent, with show characters turning in professional work and others sincerely trying their best. Whether Wilkins' heavy southern drawl works for you or not depends more on personal taste than strength of performance. And we have to call out the impact of Weston's animation work in making collections of polygons look alive. But what of the story itself? Star Trek Online's writing has always been one of its strengths, and Partisans is bookended with particular excellence. Opening the mission in Shangdu reinforces the permanence of this world with all its minigun-wielding dancers and pet vibriosaurs. These locations exist with their own positions and trajectories, even though we're not there to observe them. Besides, everyone loves a good bar fight. On the other end, the narrative's swerve into an imperial free-for-all is intriguing and devastating. You might have expected Ja'ula's broadcast to draw the final battle lines, as the Great Houses finally choose sides in the fight for the Empire's soul. Instead, it precipitates a rush for the exits, with every house for themselves and Jempok's ambitions vaulting ever higher. It's not the outcome we're expecting, but as contentiously fractured as Klingon society is, could it really have gone any other way? Just as much a surprise is Ja'ula's transformation from a menacing figure into a tragic one. She's a violent anachronism, fighting for a worldview centuries behind us. Yet, we pity her for her success as her good intentions destroy the unity her brother died to create. Whether you yourself are Klingon or just an interested observer, the disintegrated empire has no safe harbors, only knives wherever you turn. Partisans gives us no rock, no hiding place, and nowhere to stand in the coming storm. It is profound and staggering, and we can't wait to see what happens next. I kind of like they go back to places. Oh man, can we get Shangdu as a like 
ground. I would love to just be able to go in there and then start a bar fight. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's not a surprise that I haven't played Star Trek Online in a long time, right? We hadn't been covering it and I hadn't been playing it. And I, I enjoyed it because soon after I had finished the last featured episode that had been released whilst I wasn't playing. So what tends to happen is that when they release these featured episodes so far apart, I tend to forget, right? Like I don't really think back. And I also, I don't feel like I have an incentive to replay. Like it's not like an episode of a show that I might kind of rewatch before the new season starts or something. So I'm glad that I experienced this arc closer together than having to wait several months apart. But, you know, I've got to say for a ground mission or for a majority ground mission, I I I was entertained, you know? I was really entertained and the southern draw, you know, was interesting. I, I when she there was a moment where she says, "Oh, my hacker finger is busted or something." And I was really hoping, yeah, she said splinter she was like in her hacker finger. Yeah, I've got I can't use my hacker finger cuz I got a splinter or something. And I was really hoping she'd just say something like, "There's a snake in my boots." <laughs> you know, like I I was really going for I mean, all right, all right, all right. That was pretty awesome. Right. (laughs) So, you know, Star Trek Online is great at this storytelling, right? Great at these these featured episodes and, you know, expanding the lore where the comics don't or or where we just don't see on screen. And I like that Ja'ula's narrative switched. I did. I enjoyed it. I like that she went from being the villain to being actually the one that is, in fact, trying to unify the Empire again. Villains with an agenda of their own that isn't, you know, take over the universe uh, are always the better one. And giving giving them dimension and personality always is a better bet. So uh, yeah. please, please, please keep doing well, yeah, it. Yeah, you always like to see people's motivations. I mean, that way you can, you know, judge them on Well, right, yeah. When you when you when you vaporize wave after wave of their minions, you feel you feel like there's, you know, we understand why we're going to do it anyway. We're going to we're going to vaporize them. You meant well, but you know, death to you. I love how there was a mutant targ. Oh my god! Kind of and I love the Zoolander reference. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. And and once again, just let me point out that you can tell the real fans, the reverent fans, by how sometimes they get irreverent. Right? They know where the lines are. They know where they can fudge a little bit, and they know where they can do this again. That's why I like the lower deck so much. They got the same vibe. Well, captains, that leads us to our first community question for this week. What do you think of Star Trek Online's most recent episode, Partisans? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our social media posts on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At this point, we're well into Star Trek Online's year of Klingon, so let's take a quick look at the work Cryptic has done so far to freshen up some of the oldest Klingon content in the game. For starters, the art teams have brought their usual A-games to this year of Klingon Party. This is one of the first things you'll notice if you haven't created or played a Klingon character in a long time. Right from the character creation wizard, you see all new, more detailed costume and character models. It may not seem like a big deal, but as you play through mission after mission, you really appreciate it. It's especially noticeable when you start encountering NPCs that have been around in the game for a long, long time. Like, Jim Pock has never looked 
so unlikable. And Worf has just never looked so Michael Dorney. Then there are the the old generic NPCs like Akar, Sorella, Adetpa, who are now modeled in amazing detail after their real voice actors, which I think is a bold move and, and really smart. I mean, for instance, Adetpa, I mean, Rekha Sharma did a phenomenal, phenomenal job as Adetpa. I mean, her voiceover work was just, it really blew me away. I mean, when in all, in when compared to a lot of the other voice acting we've seen in Star Trek Online, she's up there. She's really up there. She, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, she is the best one. Pretty sure the, she the wins. Thing, the thing, she's okay the best that. one. Yeah, the the bit the bit in the, you know spoilered everybody on the snow planet with Lorca and the, the it, wow that one wow that yeah she she threw herself into that one amazing yeah she wins I I love her uh, the art updates certainly don't stop there either the environment art team have updated a lot of old maps for the year of Klingon some parts of Kronos's social zones have been updated like the sky and the lighting there's even a, a new great hall map. But you only see the inside during episode missions, for now at least. Uh, the mission maps used in the tutorial and the Empire and Warzone story arcs have been remastered as well. Uh, these new maps just really go a long way towards improving the sense in pulling you out from, from realizing that this is a 10-year-old game. The other revamps they've made to improve the really old game feel are the reworked Klingon mission arcs, Empire, and Warzone. In the Empire arc, the mission progressions aren't changed too drastically, but all the new art, voiceover work, and new cinematic cutscenes really stand out. The Kittimer and Rurapente ground maps are especially nicely done. Then you hit the Warzone arc and there's some real change in progression, where the old content often laid out mission objectives to leave you feeling like you're just covering as much of the map mileage as possible. The revamps give you a much more streamlined progress. To that end, what used to be three different missions are now merged into one, called Mars the Ringer of War. Instead of feeling like you're wasting time covering ground all the time, you're definitely moving the story ahead, and the story has some great improvements too. For one thing, it's clear that the writers wanted to deep dive more into Klingon culture with the new revamps. As an example, they devoted an entirely new cutscene to the Klingon Akvo funeral rituals, which brings us back to those new cutscenes. This has to be one of the biggest improvements in the year of Klingon. With the more expressive facial animations and motion capture of Stowe's new generation of cutscenes, the drama factor gets kicked way up. Whether the High Council is arguing and slinging insults, or Torg is betraying the Empire with a knife in the back, or Worf is gripped with mourning, these new Klingon story beats feel a lot more invested than they used to. And there's still quite a bit to come from the rest of the year of Klingon, too. So we're definitely excited to see what comes next. Longtime players of the game may remember that it was a challenge to even do a Klingon 1 to 50 back in the day. Like you couldn't oh, do remember it. that? Yeah. Like like there was only enough story content to maybe go to 20 or 30 and you had to do a bunch of extra stuff just to keep leveling. It was it was painful. And they find when and when they finally had Klingon 1 to 50 like yay, a lot like like we're saying, a lot of it was seems like they were really stretching it. Like it's like it was it was a stretch to finish that uh leveling. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely improved. I mean, I mean, I started a new Klingon just to play the new content, which, you know, I might have a problem with starting new characters, but man, it was worth it because... Define problem for us, Kat. Define... What What, what would you say? Would, I have problem? 42 Addiction? Characters. Ah, okay. God. Okay. It's, it's not that you have a problem starting new characters. It's that the problem is you may do it too well, often. Well, I mean, that's, they all have their... I mean, you know, problem. exactly. Right. It's not all flavors. You, you you have, a, you, have a very, you have a very sophisticated character yeah, palette. Curse you, said, Delta you, you recruits say, right. for making me. I mean, I had to have one of everything. 
getting you the habit. Getting you the habit. Definitely. Well, if you have not played the new Klingon content or you don't have a Klingon character, I highly recommend that you do so. Uh, it is really, really well done. I've been debating if I want to start live streaming. Do it. Like on a regular and like do like a like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday live stream and do these uh like play through the Klingon yeah. content. Yeah, I may I may try to do that. I may Make try to Klingon. do Klingon. Maybe like a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at six or something. Yeah, uh, a, a tribute tribute to Aaron Eisenberg. You know, play a Ferengi. You know, play Klingon. Play a Ferengi playing a Klingon. Yeah. And that leads us to our next community question: What has been the highlight of the year of Klingon content revamps for you? And that's the news from Star Trek Gaming this week. Now let's look on screen for the newest episode in the Star Trek multiverse. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Discovery Season Three, Episode Two. Far from home, on screen. You know when you've been stranded in deep space and there's timey-wimey stuff happening and you're missing people who are guiding you through a subspace anomaly and you can't find them, but they show up to rescue you at the end of the episode? No, we're not talking about the fifth season of Voyager episode Timeless. We're talking about the third season Discovery episode Far From Home. When we first find all of the members of the Discovery crew whose last name isn't Burnham, they are in the middle of crash landing on a planet that itself is in the process of falling apart. Then Detmer, Reese, Awoshikan, and Bryce, who are also part of the crew, determine that everything is broken and someone needs to go shopping at the saloon down the street. Acting Captain Saru and official Ensign Tilly find that bars in the future are a lot more burny and punchy than in their time. Culber and Stamets and Reno and Non are also there and they fix stuff and also bleed all over a Jeffrey's tube. Finally, Empress Commander Georgiou stretches her legs and El elbows and fists a bit as she also appears in the show. Many bad guys and even one good guy are permanently removed from the ranks of the living. However, the main bad guy, Zara, is still alive and useful to show writers who might need an antagonist later. And just when you think the parasitic ice is going to eat your ship, a tractor beam saves the day. Aww. A lot of, a lot of, good, a lot of good Star Trek tropes in this episode, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Alright, Captains, let's uh, talk about some statistics. First up, this episode aired originally on Thursday, October 22nd. This is another episode directed by Olotunde Onsunsami. All right, let's jump right in. Kat, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your experience watching this episode? Uh, what was your favorite moment? Anything with Jet Reno. God bless her. I love her. She is hilarious. I felt bad for Jean that was cleaning up the mess of what's his name? Leland's. Leland's goo. Sh- shoveling. <laughs> She's like, my name's Jean. She's like, I already forgot that. I love it. But also because Tignataro, you know she had back surgery, so probably filming this stuff was really hard on her. Oh, did she? Yes. She in real that's why she had to sit. She in real life had back surgery oh. and props to her. She did amazing. And she probably was on drugs before. That makes that whole thing so much better even. Yes. Yes. I, I like that. I know. I know because she has had a lot of health problems, but yeah, she had to have back surgery. Props to her. Yes. She fully, yeah, even if she had to sit in her scenes, she did a great job. <laughs> that is crazy. That's all, that's, what an interesting bit of uh, a factoid there. Wow. Yes. So Tignataro wins my favorite all the moments. Although Tilly, oh, Tilly and Saru, how sweet was that? That was adorable. I kind of a little emotional, you know? That was really nice. It was cute. Everything about Tilly was pretty was accurate right 
up until the moment where Saru tells her to hide behind the bar when things were about to go down. Mm-hmm. And I found that odd because every instance where Tilly is faced with combat, she rises up to the ch- challenge. I mean, I think of season one when she goes on d- the Discovery's sister ship. And she's the one who tells the Klingon, step out of the shadows. Yeah. Right? And then and then later in season two, when she's in the mycelial network and... With her type three phaser, <laughs> which is better than the type two or the type one. And I think that that's very important for her character to show that juxtaposition that, yeah, she can be sweet and saccharine and, you know, a freshman and really eager... But when things are about, to, when things are ready to go down and the, the flame is getting hot, she's ready. Right. And the other two examples you're pointing out with, what did she have that she didn't have this time? Weapon? A gun. Yeah. Well, I... Saru has his like 80 mile an hour, you know, goat hooves and Georgiou is, you know, well, she's crouching tiger or hidden dragon. Which one is she? I forget which one she is. She's all of that. She's maybe both of them. Uh, but yes. so, yeah, so, so Saru's like, uh, you're unarmed at this point. Just hop behind the bar. I, you know, I don't think that they were unarmed because yeah, he, I thought she had a phaser. Yeah, no, they have a phaser turn because it, when they first walk into the bar and there's that moment of tenseness, he reaches for his his waist and they got disarmed by oh, the bad guys. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. got disarmed. They were being they were busy being held hostage. I see. Right. I see. They got they were disarmed, right? And and I and I, I want to point out two things that we've had this discussion so far that I really really like. It's we've all talked about how we enjoy the character interactions between the different ensemble members of the of the cast and we're all talking about the different character motivations of the different people and how they're interacting with their environment and each other and guess what was missing from the first episode that we got at this one <laughs> all of that yeah so yeah like oh this is the show they should have aired first yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, what was your least favorite cat i don't know i think stamets up in the jeffries tube was a bit of overkill but i don't know that i hated it because you know props to stamets cuz jet reno for sure couldn't go up there so all right. Yeah, and nothing really like uh I absolutely hate. I thought it was I mean, it was good to see what the Discovery crew had been up to and man, I love Giorgio too. Any uh, thematic takeaways, just overall, you know, reaction to the episode? I thought, you know, the ending when Michael comes in is, you know, I think it was a feel good at the end. I feel like I need to watch it a couple more times because maybe when you watch it the first time, you get overwhelmed by the emotions. And the next time is like, eh, it's not as kind of cool as I thought it was the first time around. Because it's very, you know, the production is so beautiful. And it's, you know, every time where you're like, oh, now there's a fight scene it's always like oh when's the next fight scene I hate that it has to be like that I wish it would be more on the ship and less of the fight scenes you know it's funny you say that because so I felt that this episode was like an episode of TNG except I I don't want to say on steroids because this is just the nature of filmmaking in 2020 moving into 2021 so I felt like this was I was watching a classic TNG episode where there's, there's a plot happening on the ship and then there's a plot happening on an away mission. Mm-hmm. And you've even got Jeffrey's tubes. You've got, you know, somebody stuck doing something crazy in a Jeffrey's tube. You've then got the, the conflict happening out for the away mission. And everything was just amped up for 2020. And I, I liked that. I liked that. I, I 
I enjoyed this experience. Was it a deep story? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. No, it wasn't. You know, there wasn't any major takeaways that I had. We need a thing. Go get the thing. Oh no, someone's not letting us get the thing. Right, right, right. But I think that this ep- where the, this episode really shined was outside of the story and outside of the plot a little bit. I mean, yes, it definitely moved things along, but the visual effects are, I mean, they rival the 2009 Star Trek Kelvin Universe films. They rival into darkness. They rival Star Trek Beyond. I mean, they the budget for this show must obviously be just astronomical. And I appreciate that for television, especially for Star Trek. I think we lacked a little bit of that wow factor in the in being in space from the last couple of seasons. And I feel like we're getting a little more of that wow factor now. Uh, but clearly they, they milked Iceland for everything it was worth. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> they definitely milked Iceland for everything it was worth. And I thought that the directing was nuanced. I really did. There was that, there was this moment where Detmer gets heat, you know, she gets to the, the dermal regenerator and then she's just still, you know, fuzzy and she starts to walk out and the camera, there's this cinematography choreography that happens as she's walking out and as... Oh, Detmer? Yeah, and she's wa- Detmer's walking out of sickbay and Colbert's walking in and there's this beautiful yeah. cinematic dance that happens. They're doing all the camera tricks this yeah. season. Between Burnham getting high in the last episode and the concussion thing this episode. Yeah, I mean, I think yep. they, they're visually, I mean, I don't think anyone can argue that this is a beautiful looking show. And the fact that they're sort of trying different weird camera things too to go along with it. It is a visually unique show. I, I really do think that. It doesn't look like anything else on TV, I don't think. No, I agree. I, they, they're, yeah, they, they, they're really, really making a uh, unique visual language for the show. A lot like TNG did back in the day with the hotel lobby and the pastel L cars. And they're making a visual language that people will turn it on and go, oh, that's Star Trek. Just like listening to Eddie Van Halen is, oh yeah, that's Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making a language that, you, that you, your eyes understand. I, I agree with that. I think, yeah. And uh, Jake was saying in the chat that the crash scene, like the intro yeah. and Saru and you're just like, wait, what's happening? You know, oh my God, you know, and they crash through the thing and go to the other thing. You're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right. When they when they watched the Voyager episode and said, oh, we can do better than that. It's 20 <laughs> years later. Like, we can, it's 20 years. Let's do that again, only update it. Right. This is hypercritical, but this is more nuanced. What I did feel is that the bridge is too big. The bridge has always been too big. Big. No, I, there's definitely more of... Yeah, it's way too big. Yeah, this though. bridge particularly is big, like, compared to past bridges, right? Like, every other bridge and every other it, series of Star Trek. It's stupid big. This one is so wide that I feel like the camera almost struggled to get everybody in frame, and then not only... And then let's say they get people in frame. They're itty-bitty, itty-bitty people, and you can't really see their faces, you know? It's stupid big. Yeah. So I, I feel like the size of the bridge kind of pulls us away every once in a while. Like there were these, it, during that crash, for instance, you know, the, the camera was trying to get everybody and that's hard when the bridge is so big. And, and you'll notice if you, remember, if you remember the Enterprise bridge uh, from last season, it's smaller. That's a good point. I mean, it's still bigger than the original one. It's still, they, I think they know that and they've shrunk the Enterprise bridge appropriately. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. So visually they've got their, their own mark that they're making on this. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it becomes clear as you, I think, watch this episode that 
they are, like you're saying, they have trying to get people on the bridge, trying to get people. They're trying, they really need to do that. Like, focus on the people. That's what makes this episode better than the last one. The two guys, the tactical officer and the con officer, the, the I can't, I don't, I don't remember them ever having that many lines. Bryce and... They're starting to be alive. Now I can't Reese. remember. Reese, yes. I mean, I love Awoshikan. She's great. I mean, of course, she was great in New Eden. Uh, but I'm worried about Detmer. Please, Detmer, be okay. I really like her. I don't want her to be like Arium. Right. Right. Well, somebody's going to die. Uh, you think so? According to the rules of television, one of them's going to die. Uh, but Hopefully it's not by a garbage bag behind you. <laughs> but they're being smarter about it this season by letting you see little bits and pieces of them and getting to know their personality a little bit before they off them. Yes, yes. You know, you, it'll, it'll, it'll hurt. It'll hurt when they finally off them if they let you do it. Like that much more. If they give us backstory on Detmer next episode, you know she's going to die. My God, please don't let it be Detmer. All right, you know she's doomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. If we start seeing pictures of her and her significant other on a beach. Or like, you know, right, what happened after the Battle of the Binaries. <laughs> right, somebody catches up to her in the hallway and says, hey, remember that thing you told me about? And then we flash back oh, to Colorado God. or whatever, yeah. Please don't do that. But I hope they don't do that, right? I hope that we don't. It won't bother me if she does die. It will bother me if they set it up the way they set up Arian. What I'm seeing in these next, these two, just these two episodes is a maturity in the creative process. And it's probably early. It's a little early to say, I, you know, and we, we still have weeks of episodes to get through. But just in these little snippets of information, I said this last week about Tanika Martin-Green's performance uh, and her craftsmanship. And then even Olatunde Onsunsami, that one moment that I was talking about earlier, the cinematic dance, that was just gorgeous, man. That was just the level of, of, cine- of cinematography that we haven't seen before and was nuanced. And you may not have even noticed it. But now you're going to watch it again, and you're going to be like, oh, damn, that was cool. And, and I like your comment about them. This looked like a TOS slash TNG episode where there's a ship thing, and then and there's even a bar fight, yeah. and they're in a bar. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. This was a good episode, right? There was a beginning and a middle and an end. There were two. There's an A and a B plot. You knew it. There were there were people contributing to the uh, solutions. There were people working around. There was the big twist when Giorgio walked in. I mean, they had all the pieces together for a good episode of television. And then it and then it was a Star Trek episode because of the visuals and the story and the characters and the laser guns and all that other kind of stuff. But they, they broke it down to make it a good hour of TV, mm-hmm. which is something that I think has been missing. Like for the first episode, like we've got to get we have to show you the world. We have to there's an objective we have to accomplish with this show. Stop that. Stop it. <laughs> Just don't do that anymore. Make a good show and then fit those pieces into it. And I think they did that in this episode and they didn't do it in the last mm-hmm. one. So you liked this episode, Tony. The yes, I'm gonna go ahead. And, I can just say yes. I don't have to qualify that at all. This was a good episode. I don't think there was very much wrong with. I have quibbles, but I'm not even worried about talking about it because they're just quibbles. This was a good episode. And you know, Zara, that villain, good bad guy. I'm glad he's not dead. I, you know, here's another thing about what they seem to be doing now is if they're gonna have these like occasional villains that come in and out, like past versions of Star Trek. Yo, I hated this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And this guy did a great, excellent job setting up this character. This guy was like Negan from The Walking Dead. It just, you love to hate him. He was a, you know, he wasn't like a, <laughs> pulling his, his, his uh, mustache. He just, he had substance. This is why I was so mad last week about they killed off every bad guy with a speaking part last week, right? Right. You learn, you learn about the problems with this new future through the people who are operating it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how you get, that's how you find out what the challenges 
start. That's why you find out who the, quote, bad guys are, because they're the one taking advantage of the power vacuum because the Federation's gone, the technology gap because there's no dilithium anymore. You learn about it through the villains. Well, they killed everybody in the last episode. They let this guy go. Yeah, so yeah. he'll be out. He'll be back to teach them about the new world later on in a later episode when he comes out of the blue and steps from behind the curtain with his new laser gun. Because mm-hmm. he's upset. <laughs> Because he's upset. I hate it. I hated everything about that guy, including a mullet. My new mullets are the wave of the future and hairstyles. I said that to Z. Mullets identify villains. You you know you're in a dystopia, right? No offense, my mullet-wearing friend. You know you're in a dystopia when the mullet is the primary haircut. You know, like, oh my god, what what, what hellscape future is this? We've come out of the... Come out of the time warp into a mullet land. <laughs> I just loved how he just emanated like evil, yeah, creepy. Like poor Tilly, she was just like, "Oh my god, this guy! Oh crap!" I like to play villains. Like if I ever get a chance to do play a villain on on in theater, I I really do enjoy it. But it's hard to be that level of just he was evil. Like it just there's a difference between a bad guy and then just you are a bad human being and this actor man he just na- i don't know where he came from i don't know where this guy's from just nailed it so so i, I want you i want you to you know go from the a scale from hans landa from inglorious bastards oh down to pack led from season two of star trek yeah yeah all right where are we on that villain scale we're, pro- we're closer to hans landa uh, negan uh, yeah closer to hans yeah 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 i'd say like a negan because Neg- the what's his face who plays negan on walking dead is great the problem with negan's story and i digress here is that they they the Walking Dead pulled that were, were, was playing that instrument way for way too long. They were holding that note way too long, and then Negan got boring. So hopefully they don't have that mistake with this actor with this character. Nah, this guy will come in. This guy come in and out. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I hope he doesn't become the Negan of of what Walking Dead was for because that just got boring and that got old. He, he can't handle being the bad guy in this story, but he'll be good to teach them about the new world every once in a while as as as, as they counter time to time. So I'm um, good job not killing this guy. Way to be. So other than that, Tony, did you have any favorite moments? Do you want to go into a little? No, I'm going with the Jet Reno. Just bring in more Tignataro. <laughs> just just bring in more. Tignataro. That was just solid. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm on drugs. <laughs> she just sort of breaks the spell, right? It's like, you know, everyone's sort of like, oh my God, the crystals are de- deteriorating and the shields are failing. She's like, why are you complaining to me about this? <laughs> this just fix it. This is not a front lot, you know? I love it. And she's like, okay, Stamets, let's do this. <laughs> she's like, well, you're a miserable bastard, so I'm just going to tag along. Well, that wraps up this week's on screen for Star Trek Discovery. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our community question was, who do you think Discovery's Big Bad will be? From Facebook, Jay Hurd writes in and says, I think the Big Bad's going to be a unified Vulcan-Romulan-Neo-Star empire. It works so well. Burnham's connection to Spock, Spock's later unification effort, and modern Trek's fixation with Romulan villains. Even the Burn event works well, as dilithium is used just for matter-antimatter warp engines. What group do we know who famously don't use matter antimatter power for their warp engines? Why, that would be the Romulans with their singularity drives. In one fell swoop, a Romulan extremist, maybe a descendant group of the Romulan rebirth movement, could have crippled their greatest historical foe in the Federation and ensured a future path to glory with a new resurgent empire by igniting the burn. All right, Jay Hurd, you should be hired by the team over at Discovery, I think. I think that's a pretty, I think that's like legit some some deep deep thinking there. I like that idea. So yeah, one thing one thing I haven't, we haven't mentioned yet, and one thing that I, I'm very concerned about 
out in this season of Discovery is that pretty clearly the whole no dilithium thing is a is going to be the allegory for like carbon stuff mm. to, to current day stuff. You know, like you know, trying to get off oil and that kind of thing. I mean, I think pretty it's pretty clear that that's what they're going what they're going for. I am slightly concerned that they may. Well, I was talking about earlier with the whole the episode has a mission and the story and the fun gets sacrificed to the episode's mission. I'm worried that that's going to happen. So that whoever the big bad guy is, like the, the personification of the villain, like I'm saying, they're going to come out pretty heavy-handed. Like, haha, I don't need anything anymore. I don't use that. So, right. but this is a good vehicle for that, right? It's a, that this idea is a good vehicle. I, I I held a singularity drive out from a Romulan warbird and I decided to screw you guys. I don't need you. Right. So, could could work. It could work. From Twitter, Damian Wilkinson replied, "I think the." big bad is going to be the fact that the Federation is broken, showing general lawlessness with the Discovery crew flying in to be a guiding light back to the Federation way of life. Probably won't be a big bad like the Borg or Romulans till Starfleet is working again. Hey, I, I gotta say something on this one here too. The whole Federation is savior thing was done so much better in this episode too. Mm. Someone died because they thought that the Federation was coming back to save them. That is a much better illustration of how much that works in this world than some dude with a flag in an office. Yeah. yeah. This this the stakes are higher. The 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 cost was ex- just explicit right in front of your face. Very good points. From Facebook, David Collins responded, "Zara's fate was left open, so he's definitely coming back with a grudge to settle. Something's obviously up with Detmer. Could be control isn't quite finished yet, but maybe this season will be more episodic and they'll have a new enemy to overcome each time." Oh. Mm. Total Firefly thing. Yeah. yeah. Could be. They could go Firefly model, sure. Well, that wraps up episode 484 of Priority 1. A Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, Joshua Selig, and our newest patron, Frank C. Thanks so much for joining the Patreon family. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. What did you think of Star Trek Online's featured episode, Partisans? And what's been the highlight of the year of Klingon content revamps for you? Captains, it's important that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada to broadcast live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains, during these difficult times, we understand that a financial contribution may not be in the cards, but... We are incredibly humbled by the continued support of those of you who can. So, if you find value in this production and want some extra perks, check us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover the 
their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry and Jason. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listener. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. Curse you, and Tyler also, also, Perry. I'm expecting you to be like, itsy bitsy teeny weeny grace printed ship in 3D. Oh, I'm glad you told me that because I would not have done that. That wouldn't have been her first <laughs> choice. No. A prodigy composer, Michelle Hurd's reference to Medea, and in- Pro- I think I'm sorry, prodigy. What did it, I it say? Came, it, came, it came out prodigy. Oh, a prodigy composer, Michelle Hurd. He did it again. Really? Prodigy. 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 This is my penguins. Like I can't say that word. <laughs> just, just, just finish off the glass, and, uh, and you'll be fine. Just finish off. Finish off. A prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't do it. I'm overthinking it. it. It's, 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 it's a paradigm shift you're gonna have to do in your head. It's gonna. Right, it's, shut yeah. up. <laughs> I was trying to ad lib. I'm really not she, good at it. She's. She's not. She's. She's not a prodigy. I'm no. I'm not. I'm <laughs> a definitely prodigy. not a prodigy. Prodigy. Hey! Hey! Oh my god! I do know how it. to say that word when I don't overthink <laughs> it. Melumat has also recently collaborated nope. with Michael Giancino. You still said collaborated. Correct. Collaborated. You still said okay, collaborated. So we got prodigy. Prodigy. Collaborated, and whatever it was that you messed up. Accoutrement. That wasn't a mess no, up. No, no, it wasn't. That, it wasn't that was right. That was, it was right. Um, yeah. Paradigm. Paradigm. <laughs> Trek nuggets. I'm cutting that. Oh, ha, ha, he made you say it. He still made you say it. He I said it's on the clearly, copy. That it's was clearly copy. not meant for you to say out loud, but he made you say it. <laughs> I, wow. It's in the copy, and I read it with the disdain that it deserves, Jake. Trek nuggets. The nice thing, we don't have to stop. Oh my we god, this is so much easier. Mm, just right. don't feel like this. this I know. Like I'm not even I, doing a show. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> so should scared. be. Like we could, we could lose it all. Yeah, you guys that are watching this live, it might be. The- you might be the only ones to get this <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> and folks, he's still learning new tricks. This guy, still learning he's new just, tricks. He's, he's still, he's still <laughs> making up stuff as he goes. Still on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on screen in three. <laughs> What? Panda says you can't die. You have all the logins. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Progeny.
podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.